very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today I'm joined by a gentleman from the same hometown that uh, I originated from, Nottingham in the UK. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, The gentleman in question is Gary Clark. Gary, very warm welcome to you. Hello. Nice to see you. Hello. And, um, yeah, as I said, listeners, uh, the thing is with Gary, I mean, we've we've actually, although we've not kind of been closely linked over the years, in fact, we haven't been linked up until recently through our love of a certain football club based in Nottingham, uh, Nottingham Forest, to be precise, so there's no confusion uh, with our neighbours across the river. But um, so our paths have crossed. And what's interesting for me around uh, this, this conversation with Gary is the way that um, he's changed his life around massively. And that's why I wanted to capture this conversation with him. So if you can start us off by giving us a, a little bit of an insight into, you know, your life as, as a child growing yeah. up so we can get to know you a bit better. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I was, um, I brought up... Um at Silverdale Estate, uh, next to Clifton and Wilford. Uh, went to, I was born in Stenton, moved over there when I was about five. Mum and Dad wanted to get a better school for me. No disrespect to Stenton, I loved it there. Uh, went to school in Clifton, Farnborough. Uh, normal upbringing, really, on a, a nice estate. Mm. Uh, I've always been a football supporter. We love, love football. Uh, that's what I was interested in at school, really. Um, I think, obviously, I'm a former football hooligan, and this is where I went went wrong in my early part of my life. Uh, I can't really explain that one because I was brought up quite ordinary uh, with a good up, good upbringing, so it's really hard to explain. Uh, I got in trouble a bit at school. Um, tends to get we tend to get bullied quite a lot at school because we're from these colours of silver spoon guys at, at our school because uh, the Clifton boys didn't like it. It was, was from like um, a private state. So that's why we had a lot, lot of problems at school. Uh, so I got myself in a few scrapes and then I'm the, so I, I sort of, I, I think I was sort of bullied a little bit and I think that's why I sort of re, uh, re, re, rebelled against everything when I left school. Uh, when, I, when I left school I started going downtown sort of got away from that this sort of part of life and then the uh, Sort of, I was a big Forest fan, and uh, I sort of got in with the Forest boys, and then started uh, going to the football games and away games with my mates, and uh, it was all a bit of fun, really. So and that was uh, the start of uh, uh, putting my mum and dad under a lot of stress, I'd say. Mm. It's interesting listening to that because it's it's quite unusual for 
Um, if I can use the general term wrong path, you know, for people to take a wrong path. I mean, there are exceptions, of course, and nothing's yeah. ever cast in yeah. concrete for anybody. But it's quite unusual for, for people to take the wrong path when, as they say, like you've said, you've had that kind of loving, stable, secure family background. And yeah. But the bullying element then that you had, you know, you kind of added into that gave it a, yeah. almost, a, you know, an understandable reason why it's that. And and what that is, isn't it? It's, it's about taking that control back because when we are what we perceive to be victims of, of bullying or whatever it was, um, and I can certainly test, testify to this as at the hands of my stepfather, we get yeah. that control back by being bullied. Somebody's took that control away um, for you know, I have this kind of conversation with rape survivors. How when they've been violated, they do things to take that initially, take that control back. Um, yeah. You know, because they feel vulnerable, they feel insecure, they feel totally open and, and isolated. And, and I kind of, you know, not that I'm drawing any comparisons at all between bullying and, and rape, because obviously in their own way they're no. both kind of horrible, horrific things in, in their own way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I now understand, Gary, that, you know, why you kind of went down, you know, what we've, we've called or I've called that wrong path. So what what age was you, Gary, when you kind of really, when, when that really started kicking in for you? I was, I was probably about 15. I was just about leaving school. I school at 15, actually. Mm. So um, and that's when I first started going, <clears throat> sort of drinking, going to the pubs and uh, going to football away games on my own. Mm. Um and I obviously started going to the city of Nottingham. And this is, uh, I actually started off with, um, uh, ended up uh, in a few arguments with a few of the uh, forest lads. And uh, I stood up for myself and uh, they talked to me. And that's when I became sort of friendly with them. And I started sort of hanging around with them. Mm. And uh, I don't know, being part of a, a gang, it's uh, it, it, has, it, it meant something a little bit. And you stuck up for yourself. Mm. Um, and the enjoyment of going to different cities and everything with him, with, with with them, it was it was it was quite exciting at the time. You know, it, it was something new and it was exciting. You know, yeah. so that's where I started going, getting in, I don't know, a few scrapes and stuff, and uh, that led one thing led to another, really. And, so you know, and yet again, I understand that because from being. Um, you know, sort of bullied, if you like, and, and I really do not like the word and I hasten to use it, but this victim thing. Um, but being part of a, a gang then gives you a sense of identity, of belonging. You know, all of a sudden, you're part of something a lot bigger, aren't you? It's not just you on yeah. your own anymore that's being picked off no. or bullied. It's, no. it's like, okay, I'm, you know, I've got some meaning in my life now. I've got some purpose. And that's so critical for each and every one of us. However, we meet that purpose and, you know, we can meet that in negative ways, as I did through my drink addiction and the violence that I yeah. got embroiled in, which was not football rape yeah. related, funny enough. Um, and yeah. as an avid forest follower that used to go home and away, I often look back, Gary, and think, how did that never happen? Uh, I don't know how it didn't, or, but it didn't. Not, not certainly to the degree that you can, obviously, you know, you're, you're, you know, I know you've got material out there that's been well publicised. You've actually used the label for yourself about, you know, football hooligan. And that was at a time, Gary, where, you know, football hooligan was quite rife, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was a uh, pretty pretty rife, pretty bad in the seventies. Um, obviously, I got into it in the eighties, but um, when I sort of got into it, um, it was a, it was a close as well. It was it was the music. It, it was wasn't just um, the, you know the violence. Don't get me wrong; we all know it's wrong. Um, and I've let my mum and dad many sleepless nights. It's what big regret of mine. But um, at the time, I enjoyed the clothes, the camaraderie, the, 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 the music, and everything about it. it. It was just one big buzz. It, it's a bit like the Teddy Boys in the fifties and <laughs> the modern rockers in the <laughs> in the sixties um, and seventies. You know, I'm not making excuses for for it, but it's part of British subculture, and it's something I got into, <laughs> and uh, I stayed in it for a very long time until until I. Um, Realise, you know, it's going to lead one. This is going to only going down one path, and I've got to get out of this. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was the just for a bit of nostalgia, then, Gary? What was the? Uh, you, you know, you mentioned the close style there. I mean, was you a skinhead, for example? Was that your style? Not really. I did like the mod, the mod scene. I did like the way the mods dressed. Um, but uh, it, it, the casual, the football casual movement was coming in in, in the very late 70s and, and 1980, 1981 when I was just leaving school. And I, I like, I, I, everybody looked different. So I just liked the sportswear and uh, got into that and the, and the ear cups, you know, and the, with the music and the wedge ear cups. Mm. Uh, just like the style of, of, of it all, you know, and the music and, and the nights out. Yeah, it, it's, it's iconic, really, isn't it? It's, even to this day, yeah, it's made a bit of a comp. Of a comeback as well. Definitely. I mean, I love these, you know, and I know listeners love these kind of conversations because what we're doing here, we're embracing a, a bit of nostalgia. So I've just done a bit of quick, uh, a quick bit of nifty maths here. That kind of puts you in the mid 50s bracket, then, does it? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, I'm, I turned 55 for a couple of months' time. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the music then, because uh, you know this nostalgia is is mate. So what what kind of you know what was your favourite record, or is, is there a record that sticks in your mind that? Yeah, like... uh, yeah, I used to love the Human League. Yeah, um, I like the Human League. I like the Jam. Uh, later on in life, in the nineties, I, I love the Oasis. I love the Oasis and all that sort of stuff. But uh, the Human League was one of my favourite bands around that time. Leaving school. So right, yeah. uh, I love I love the jam as well to this day even to this day so yeah the all jam. that sort of <laughs> fumbling yeah. for change pulled out the queen yeah. smiling me darling down in the tube station at midnight yeah all that stuff <laughs> all of all that stuff yeah. yeah okay so and and you know as you say, I mean was there a name Gary attributed to this this particularly the Forest Crew that at the time you know the Naughty Forty or something like that and names that were you know the uh, executive crew or was any of that yeah yeah it's because um, it, uh, it it was all it, we was late getting the name oh, sorry it was late getting the names to be honest with you um, in the seventies when I was still at school the Forest uh, Boys were called the Mad Squad. With a group, that was the green jacket days with um, a lot of them with skinheads and green jackets, flying jackets as it as it was, and then and then um, I'll just spill a cup of coffee. Never mind. Uh, and then um, the casual scene came in, and a lot, a lot like uh, the London firms, they, they had a, they had a name that was Travel by Train, City Firm, and we we sat down one day. We said we've got to get, you know we've got to put a name to this uh, little little firm we've got we, we used to sit in the lower tier the executive stand back in the day right near the away fans mm -hmm. and uh, somebody came up with the uh, let's call ourselves the executive crew a bit of style 
and it, from then on, it was the executive crew. And the executive crew was born, I would say, that was about 1984. Mm. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah. and you've mentioned it a couple of times already around, you know, how upset your parents were about your, let's say, antics. Um, and I can certainly relate to this with the the stress that I caused my own mother through my various antics. You know, I mean, obviously you, you've reflected upon that now, Gary. You're in a completely different space these days. But, you know, give give us a flavour of, you know, take us back a bit, Gary, and let us kind of experience that. Because some of these people that, you know, some of our listeners, Gary, they're, they're not going to be able to relate to this about, you know, causing our, pe- our parents massive stress through getting into a fight at a football match, for example. Give us an insight, you know, not necessarily specific details, of, but, you know, what it was like for your parents, you know, well, it was it was horrible for mum and dad. I, I, I didn't realise late. Well, sorted it, but at that age, you don't really take much notice of it. And it's only later on in life when you you look back and you think, well, I'm obviously I'm a father myself now. I've got a ten year old boy, and um, you don't realise what you put them through. Um, there's, there, and there's plenty of times the police came knocking on the door, took me away. Um, obviously, I went to Borstal when I was in my teens uh, and um, detention centre. And it's, it's horrible, for, you know, having to write to your mum and dad. And your mum and dad, well, my mum and dad never come to visit me in them places, to be honest with you. I've never let them, I never let them anywhere near the place. I didn't want them seeing me in that, in that situation. But um, later on in life, this is when I really realised I've, I've got to sort myself out. I was, I was sat in Durham jail, should have been celebrating my birthday in Thailand on holiday. Uh, I got uh, arrested for an England game and uh, up up in, in Sunderland and got sentenced. And I, and I didn't tell my mum and dad at the time. And I, I thought I, I was at Newcastle Crown Court and I really thought I'd, I'd walk away. Uh, no need to put mum and dad through the stress. So I didn't say anything. Uh, obviously, I got sentenced to four months and uh, I had to make I, I had to phone my dad from the from the um, from the prison and uh, I had to tell him over the phone where I was. Mm. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And that's when I, I, re- I sat down and I realised that this, it, this is leading. I've got to get out of this. This is, this is you know, for my mum and dad, for myself. And, and that's when I changed my life when I sat in that door in prison cell. Mm. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw four words at you, Gary. Four very, on the surface, very, very simple words. And the words that um, listeners of, you know, uh, global listeners have heard me say on more than one occasion... And, uh, uh, yeah, I'll say no more. I'm going to throw the four words at you. Yeah, Big yeah. boys don't cry. What's your reaction to that? Uh, well, that's, it's an odd one to say, really. I mean, it's a, it's a good saying. Uh, they do, really, because I, I didn't cry, obviously, but I'm sat in that Durham prison cell and, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, what have I done? What have I done to my parents? You know, what am I doing with my life? I've let, I've let my boss down at work, you know, back me 110%. You know, my job was there for when I, when I came out, thank, you know, thank goodness. Has always backed me. I've been with him 30 years. And, you know, so that's big boys crying, isn't it, really? You know, you, 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 you just can't do it, really, can you? At the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not good. It's, it's not a good thing to do. So well, that, re- that is me crying. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I bring, you know, in another term, and it's a term that I personally have a big, I, I have a challenge in a, I won't say a problem because I don't allow things to give me a problem, but I certainly have a word with the challenge, uh, a challenge with the uh, the words hard man. 
Do you think they really exist, Gary? I mean, we know the label exists, but in reality, when we strip it all back, and isn't a prison cell a great place for reflection? Um, can you remember Peter yeah. Sarsted when he sang that song, Where Do You Go To, My Lovely? I remember the song, yeah. 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 Great song. Fantastic song, yeah. And what that is for me, the significance of that, Gary, is, and I've done this myself and I've lived that lie and I've wore that mask and I asked this conversation, I've asked it for, you know, people I've been involved with in professional football and I know you've got some connections <coughs> in that respect as well. But, you know, this kind of label of hard man, I'll state my yeah. own case, it's it's yeah. a mask, it's a fallacy, it does not exist yeah. because... No, no, it's, it's, not, it's not big and it's not hard, it's not big being in prison. And it's not hard being in prison. And uh, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. So You know, what, yeah. I've, what I've often said about that so-called term hard man is that a guy's hands might be quicker, but yeah. if his mother dies, he'll cry. And if you cut it, he'll bleed. So he's, he's yeah. human. Yeah, and, totally. You know... But yeah. I think the reason I'm going down this line, Gary, is, and I know because we had one or two kind of, you know, uh, uh, sort of brief conversations off air, that I know that that you've got that strength and you have got that that real kind of, I suppose, forgiveness because you have kind of turned on to another page. In fact, it's not so much another page. It's a completely different book and story that you're telling these days, isn't it? Yeah, I've completely gone back to my roots. I've completely completely gone back to where I started you know I've started following cricket I was a cricket supporter when I was very young I, I followed the England cricket team abroad now um, it's, it's nice people to go to England games uh, you know, the people you meet are fantastic you don't see any trouble at cricket you know I, I, I was a good cricketer when I was young as well and I've completely changed my life around. I've gone back to where I started when, when I was at school. I, I love sport. I love the people, really. But, you know, I, I just enjoy life now. And, I, and, I, and the people I surround myself with are, are nice, are obviously nice people. Not saying ever, you know, but it, I've got a lot of good mates from the football days that I still knock around with. And they're, they're all similar to me. They don't, they don't, they're not interested in that sort of thing. It was something the phase that we went through. A lot of them are uh, good businessmen, millionaires, you know, done well in life. I still go to the football with them, you know, mm. and, we, and we enjoy it. We enjoy it ourselves, you know. So mm. it's gone full. It's gone full circle. My life's gone full circle. So, and that's that's not unusual to hear that from people that you know have to use that term again. Maybe taken a wrong turning in life, taken a wrong road, because. Do you know, isn't it true that we find ourselves in circumstances, whatever they may be, and, you know, we do things because we don't know what we don't know. And, you know, a bit, bit of humour. Somebody said to me, what would be on your epitaph, Paul, you know, when you pass? What would... And for me, seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then, like you say, it's, you know, yeah. I do quite have... I've got a lot of spiritual connections. Uh, the word grounded is used quite a lot. But I'd also yeah. use it in a different context, that word grounded. Like you've said, you know, sitting in Durham jail is a very, very, very powerful way to ground somebody when that door yeah. shuts and it's like, yeah. okay, what do yeah, I do not, now? Yeah, it's not very nice. It's not very nice at all. It really made me, really me realise, um, you know, when I could be celebrating my birthday in an exotic country like Thailand, should be, you know, watching the Euros at the time. I think the Euro Portugal was, was on at the time. Um you know, and 
Yeah, like you say, uh, you, you've got to sort it out one way or the other because it, my path would have just gone downhill and downhill and downhill. And uh, that, was a, that was a turning point, really. So, mm. thank God. Yeah, but I'm, you know, the football, I've got a lot of good mates from around the world for me football. For yeah. me football that stay in touch nowadays and they're all good people, so nice people. I've got friends in Germany, German people, you know, and I'll go over to watch FC Cologne quite a bit. They come over to watch Forest. Mm. And that's all through following, following the football back in the day. So I, a lot of, you know, I don't regret everything. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, obviously certain things you, you regret, you know, the, the, the prison and putting your mum and dad under stress and stuff like that. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't uh, sort of promote, promote that lost way of life to anybody these days, but certainly. The, I mean, what's going through my mind there is you're sitting in that, you know, cell for, for four months. Did you find or was you conscious or aware that actually, you know, every moment, every second of those four months, you still had to wear a mask in front of other inmates? Otherwise, you'd have got swallowed up. I mean, was... was that- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you had to, you had, yeah, yeah, you had to. I, I, I did a TV interview couple of months ago and I was, uh, for BT Sport um, about the 80s and I, I told this story to them and uh, yeah there was, a, there was a guy opposite me actually on the doors it told you what sentence you were serving and the guy opposite it, it said you said life mm. and uh, he was trying to he was trying to goad me he, he was the uh, hairdresser on the wing it was 23 hour local and uh, you, you had I think half an hour association at dinner and half an hour at tea time but basically I just got me we just got food and that's in the cell I was with a guy that it's never been in trouble in his life before. He he defrauded somebody at work, and and he, he had pictures all over the cell of his family. He was just a normal straight straight member, straight guy. Mm. Felt really sorry for him. And he, he was on suicide watch, and the the, the guard was coming. He had to come around and look, look through the uh, little hole in the wall every half an hour to keep an eye on him. And uh, I, you know, me and him, I looked after him basically. And the guy opposite was just a bullet. Mm. It was one of these. Um, pumped up guys you know and and I, I queued up for me for me uh, he had a razor you know like an electronic thing for your shave for the year and, and uh, everybody kept pushing in on, on, on the wing like one day and I, in the end I just gave up and went back to my cell and next door there was a guy from France uh, African French guy and uh, he, he, he says like don't worry so I'll, I'll get the um, the clippers and I'll do it for you later on fair play he was, he was in for diamond smuggling oh, so right yeah but you know that that all adds to the character, doesn't it? You know, people yeah. People are always going to judge in life, aren't they? And they're always going to sort of label you X, Y, and Z or A, B, and C, and that's fine. That's, you know, I always say, okay, listen, if that's what you want to do, that that's your that's your prerogative, not mine, you know. Because um, yeah. I think we can only be true to ourselves, Gary, and there's nobody on this planet from my awareness and, you know, from an experience point of view and a research point of view that is beyond reproach. We've all got little skeletons in our closet and I know it's dangerous to generalise by saying we all, but from my experience and knowledge and research of, of being on this planet nearly six decades, we've all got some little skeletons that we'd sooner not have if we're honest about it. So, um, yeah, true. You know, true. And this is part of the courage, I think, of people, not only for the outside world, but with themselves being, you know, that old saying, be true to thyself and saying, do you know what? I got that one wrong, but I'll take the learning from it. And I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. And, you know, I think that's all we can do in life, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, because we all make big mistakes uh, or mistakes. Yeah. And 
the world will judge whether they're big or little. So long as we're true to ourselves, take the learning from it and move on. I think that's, to me, that is part of mastering the game of life and not beating yourself yeah. up. I totally agree with you. It was very hard. It was very hard to get out of that way of life. It was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Don't get me wrong. You know, you're part, you're part of a group and uh, there's one or two guys that I know now that still do it. You know, no disrespect to them. The, the good lads, I'll say hello to them when I see them. But, um, you know, it is hard, very hard to get out of that way of life once you're in it. Mm. You know, I mean, I, mean, I, I, enjoy, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that part of, the, part, of the, part of my time. Don't get me wrong, in the 80s, it wasn't just all about fighting at football. It was your mates. It was, it was following your team, you know, visiting different places you've never gone to, you know, Europe and all over Britain. Um, I enjoyed it. But uh, obviously, the, the other side of the stuff, the, the dark side of it, was getting in trouble. Which, uh, you know, I, I, if I could put that time back, then I, I wouldn't put my mum and dad through that. And I wouldn't, you know, I, I would uh, emphasise to people, young lads that do it nowadays, that not to, not to get into that way of life because there's only one way, one place you're going to go and one, and one path in life you're going to take. Mm. How did you balance off? Because what I'm getting to know here is a very soft, caring, loving, compassionate spirit. This is what, you know, this is why I followed up with you and sort of said, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk to you. Um, this is not about the sensationalism of being in trouble, um, because, as you know, uh, from the yeah, sort of fraternity, yeah, yeah. there are a lot of people I could contact and have that kind of interview with. But this is yeah, more yeah. about something far bigger, far powerful of this, what I call, and, you know, here's a label for somebody that doesn't like labels, Gary, but if I can be allowed to use this one, a yeah. big gentle giant. And that's that's what the energy I pick up from you. How did you balance that off with this kind of tough man, hard man image, football violence and all that kind of thing with actually then having loving relationships, not just with your parents, but say like with girlfriends or what have you. I mean, did you let females into your life and let them see that softer side or was the mask kept on for them as well? No, no. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. During the early eighties, I, I wasn't really too bothered about uh, women. Came along with it. Don't get me wrong. You know, because you know, the, the women like that, that sort of thing. They like the big, the big football lad, the, the clothes and stuff. Don't get me wrong. The women did come and go. Um, I've been married twice later on in life. Uh, I'm on my second marriage now, um, and I, I, you know. Uh, I, 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 I'm a caring person. Hopefully, I'm a caring person. I, I just people see see, me, see that side of me once they get to know me. It's the people that say things about me that, that has never met me. I, that's what I find in life. Mm. You know, uh, but the people that get to know me and my friends and, and my girlfriends around me that will see that will see that's the, the good side of me. I, I I like to say I'm a giver and not a taker. And that's what a lot of people say about me that know me. Mm. So. It's just so interesting to, you know, and I'm kind of, I suppose, labouring this point. No apologies for labouring it because I think it's well worth labouring. But that, you know, that kind of image that conjures up that people will judge and do judge is a trait of human nature. And, you know, what's that old saying? Don't judge a book by its cover. Because yeah. with your book cover, it was, oh, don't go near him. This, that, and the other record. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, you're a no, big lad. You look you. the part, even now. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. But it couldn't be further from the truth, could it? No, no. This book, this book's um, 15, 16 years old now. 
uh, a lot of people who say things about me probably read the book. Um, it, that, that, that was more, I don't know, it, it was more probably publicising that side of life at the time. Mm. Um, if I could go back um, and do it again, it would be completely, it would be a lot different. Um, uh, I'm hoping to have another one one day. A, a lot of people said this, and I was going to, and we we're going to call it something like our, our "Life Outside the the uh, Executive Crew" and the things we've done since we've since we've packed all that sort of stuff up. But uh, yeah, I know that 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 that, that was uh, written a long time ago. Uh, some of it I regret that's written that book. To be honest with you, I mean, I wish I could, I wish I could rewrite it. So. Mm-hmm. But hopefully one day we'll we'll be able to get uh, volume two two out and uh, and we'll put it all to charity. We can have a separate conversation around that, Gary. It's something I'm very interested in. Um, okay, so life outside football violence. Let's move on, Gary. I think we've we've done that one and we've painted that picture. So what what's the future like then, Gary? What's you know how do you live your life now? What what t- tell us about Gary, the family man, the comp- you know the compassionate, caring charity does a lot for charity. You know what, what's the vision for the future? Uh, uh, mainly based around my son, who's ten now. I take him to Forest every week. He's got a season ticket with me. Uh, I take him to the cricket. We go to a lot of England games abroad when we can make it. We just lost Sri Lanka because of this. Uh, Virus. We should have gone to Sri Lanka for the test out there. Um, hopefully, planning on going to India in the new year, January. England and tour in India, so I'm going to do test out there. I've been there four times before. Love the place. Uh, yeah, it's 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 spending time with bringing my son up right, mm. and I love his football. He's, he's well into his football, playing football Saturday and Sundays for Gedling South Bank, doing quite well. Uh, following knots at cricket, uh, working hard earning enough money to do these things that's what it's all about and then doing our bit for uh, whoever else we can bits for charity and stuff what a beautiful outlook what an absolutely beautiful outlook so looking back on it all now then Gary those kind of five and a half decades those 55 years um, and this is the way I always close off with with guests um, and it's been absolutely fascinating so thanks for having the courage uh, and, and I'm going to use a word now, vulnerability to share, because there's this kind of going back to this big boys don't cry um, label that, you know, hard men or whatever they're supposed to be. They're not supposed to cry. Well, as listeners know, the real men do cry because it's called being a human being. So if you had to leave one message to the world, just one message, and I know you could, we could we could speak for hours um, with thousands of messages, what would be your one big, big message to the world looking back on your 55 years on this planet? I would say um, enjoy yourself uh, and be nice wherever possible because it don't cost anything to be nice. And if you treat people nice, then you get treated back nice. It's very simple, but very, very profound. Immense thanks to you for for taking the time and, as I say, the courage and the vulnerability to open yourself up in the hope that listeners can take something from this. I know they will take something from this. Um, I just want to express my gratitude again. Thanks very much, Gary. No problem. Thanks. Thanks. My pleasure doing it. Thank you. So there we have it, listeners. Gary Clark from Nottingham in the United Kingdom, England to be precise. And uh, all that remains now is for me to say, remember, mastering the game of life starts by opening our hearts. 
much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.